beaming into your mind like a ray of cosmic revelation smashing through the mainstream like a comet of prophecy. Lords and ladies, welcome to my show. I am your host, Air Doctor Von Verlock. Thank you for joining me tonight. We will explore the various aspects of religious absolutism against the open source potential of psionics. So without further ado, let us begin. First, I'd like to say, may Helena Blavatsky's soul eternally have this shining, listening favor of the gods. In the 1800s, Madame Blavatsky was the Russian spiritualist who founded the Theosophical Society in New York. This was, and is, the pursuit of the individual to more directly experience the divine, a pursuit which has always been at odds with the controllers of this world we reside in, and still remains problematic today, with the rise of super-science and technology, this quest for the individual has become far more difficult, albeit, than even projected by the humanitarian writings of Carl G. Jung in his book, The Undiscovered Self, and also in his book, The Symbols of Man. Thus, so bogged down is the individual to the point of near-restless resentment, largely stemming from being refashioned into an automaton, that any sensical direction of philosophical reasoning has been all but lost. Let us go back in time and consider the beginnings of recorded reasoning. We may look perhaps no further back than Aristotle's attempt to make spiritual sense of material matter and his fathering of the world of metaphysics. But for our audience listening tonight, undoubtedly you have all heard of metaphysics before, yet the definitive meaning might elude you and our contemporary man or woman. And so I'll break it down by definition, followed by a quote, and then, of course, my own direction of thinking in the Verloc New Thought Movement and Psionics. The definition of metaphysics is a branch of philosophy which examines the fundamentals of nature of reality, that of being, of potential, and the actual, as well as the effect of reality upon the mind and mind upon reality. How does this factor into where we are today? Well, I don't think it's much different than where we were at back in 1970. And I say this because there was an excellent essay included in a book called The Future of Metaphysics, printed back in 1970. And I'd like to read you a quote. And this is in regard to metaphysics and values. And I quote, 
the growing complexity of the modern world with its science, technology, and industry confused many people to such an extent that they had to cry out for some clarifying vision of the whole, and particularly for what in this whole is still unquestionably valuable. On the other hand, religion, as well as metaphysics, seemed to be unable to point to a foundation upon which such a vision could be grounded. It is in the face of this desperate situation that many philosophers have tried to found values without any appeal to religious or metaphysical a priori. End quote. I believe psionics could in some way be that new foundation upon which such a vision of the whole might be grounded. My reasoning for thus is because psionics has the potential to place the individual into direct contact with the actual, the being, existence, or the real substance of the things or concepts that the individual is concerned with. Your life path becomes your own, truly. Of course, the theory and practice of psionics are two different animals, though, unlike scientific thinking and exploration of old, psionics suffers no fault if the theory does not weigh with the practice. That is to say, even if something does not make practical sense, it can, and often does, still work. That gives us a lot of leverage and flexibility. Furthermore, in psionics we understand that if something exists, it can be known. Whatever can be known can be studied, and whatever might be studied very well may be controlled. This is particularly true of the more vigorous and precocious student of psionics, and he or she is more likely than others to make private and independent breakthroughs in this art. Moreover, there is a void which is filled in the practice of psionics which cannot be filled by the other pursuits of religion and dogmatism. I shall consider a few of these points now. We can, of course, reference many writings, both ancient and contemporary of our times, which point to the monotheistic view of the reality we find ourselves in, day in and day out. In the Old Testament, God created the world, and it was good. God created the animals, and it was good. God then created man, and it was also good. God created woman, and it was good. And then came along the serpent in the Garden of Eden who foiled God's plans, and man began his descent into dishonorable darkness. On the far other end of the spectrum, we have the Gnostics, who viewed the world being created from the darkness, further expanded upon this idea by sci-fi author Philip K. Dick, who went on to say, or write, I should say, that the good God was a divine invader into this realm of evil, which 
was somehow a computer-generated reality of diabolism. Right, well, certainly there are other names. We can swap in and out of these formulas. Odin Father and the Undying Son Balder, who will rise to the challenge or to challenge the dark days ahead. Or in Christianity, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, coming back to the world. How about the Hindus? I do believe at one time the Hindus praised the perfect being known as Purusha, and long before any of these things we had Ahura Mazda. Yes, the all-compassionate Gautama Buddha believed the world was ruled over by the spirit creature called Maya, whomever sought to possess all souls or minds by our weaknesses of our obsessions and desires, that which chains us to the material world. I've always thought of it more like a moth flying into a flame, or uh, we fly into this beautiful prismatic colors in the, in the cosmos and find out we're stuck in this web of weird and synchronicity, but I digress. In Catholicism, the saints are glorified, and whether or not these are the truly good heroes of old, or are they the devils of older cults in disguise, one may never know. It is left to conjecture, and I'm not here to debate that. Yet the pressure to convert to one train of social collectivism or another does seem to intrude upon the individual's right to seek out that very intimate experience of the divine, which is, after all, the point, is it not? We all want to know our mothers and fathers, and we want to know where we came from, who we are, and where we're going. Possibly the only spiritual pursuit on the planet which is well known today, which also allows for the individual to have that direct experience with practice, albeit with the great guru of the cosmic mind, is indeed the variety of forms of yoga. Hatha Yoga, Kundalini Yoga, and so on. All in all, the quest for a true telling of the tale of time-renowned and of our roots in history and where these pages skimmed over restlessly is a pursuit which tends to find its answers externally. Psionics is, in contrast, a free man's spiritual gadgetry and pursuit of this philosophy and practice Though, if we think in stricter Christian views, no man is actually free. Yes, yes, we're given free will. But know then that free will and freedom are not the same thing, at least not in that theology, or not in that religion, I should say. Free will simply implies that one has the permission granted by the Creator God to choose between him, with a capital H, or Lucifer. This is, of course, a very finite concept of the grand totality of the cosmic all. But I understand the fear of making choices does also contribute to the difficulty in looking elsewhere from dogma or a stringent religion for answers which might be more pure and natural, not etched in stone. 
Having stated this, however, there is, of course, no need to flee from the light and drop down into the unfathomable darkness just to pursue psionics. One may indeed be a Christian or a Buddhist or many other religions and relatively safely practice the arts of dowsing with a pendulum, focusing his or her mind to make improvements in life. After all, we utilize our imagination every day, every moment, to alter our own realities for ourselves and for other people ordinarily and often without even realizing that we are indeed telling ourselves a story which we then participate in often unknowingly that we are creating this reality for ourselves. This rather elaborate and unbeknownst storytelling to, our, to oneself is due to, at least in part, the relationship between various centers of awareness. These spiral vortices are most commonly referred to in the New Age circles as the chakras, and in the Old Norse lore, northern magic, uh, they are known as hvel, and are essentially the same energy wheels at varying intersections along the spine in the human body, and extend outward to the various levels of the energy field, both surrounding and interpenetrating the human body, thus encompassing us in absolute consciousness, potentially, and indeed the entire human experience, both conscious and subconscious, as well as the prospective portals to super-consciousness and union with the cosmical. Great potential, ladies and gentlemen. Getting there is the trick, and I do believe psionics can help. I know from both study and experience that the heart chakra, and the heart itself actually, is multiple times more powerful than the human brain in terms of electrical power, but there is, as a matter of course, much more than this taking place within these energy centers. The heart seems to know things better than we can consciously do so at times, and this is often referred to as intuition. But the heart must also have its companion, which is the brain, and thus the component most thought of as pertaining to the all-elusive mind and personality of any individual. When someone close to us dies, for example, close to a person, that person who is still living might experience a sense of loss to his or herself as well. And at the same time, there is for the spiritual person a sense of immortality, which remains of that departed soul and finds itself an anchor to the person still living whom was close to the departed. Our hearts tell us this, and yet without the functioning of the brain, perhaps, and without the powerful energy storage ability of the mind, we might not consciously be capable of realizing what it was that we lost. We'd have no cognitive memory, We'd simply feel, relentlessly feel. And such feeling without conscious thought of the mind and the functioning of the brain might be a rather miserable existence for a human being. We can imagine this because there are times throughout our lives when we feel a deep something that is perhaps out of place, lost, 
or existing, existing elsewhere. But for lack of our ability or position in the incarnation, we cannot fathom from whence, where, or what this elusive something is. You know, while still a child, I had these sort of experiences often enough that I can still recall them. There would be times in my life on a perfectly sunny, beautiful, happy day when I would sense a remote solemnness which would creep over me and leave me with a sense of depression or coming dread. Tell signs of the times to come, perhaps. Maybe it was a form of precognitive ability, but working through faculties other than visual. At other intervals, I might suddenly feel a great and wondrous, uplifting sense of the divine, or I might sense far-off places. You know, I remember becoming very aware of my energies and even the energies surrounding my general environment a handful of times while being asked uh, by my parents to stand with my nose in a corner of the room. Now, that was something we did back in the day. Um... If I somehow disobeyed my parents or caused an upset of some kind, it was a an alternative to a spanking uh, at that time. So that that was one of the uh, reprimands of that time back in the 70s and 80s, I believe. As well, I know there have been times when this heart chakra energy has literally saved my sanity and stopped me from having a panic attack once while in the midst of an encounter with a malicious entity that was hovering overhead right above me, I was taken into a center point in my chest where I found inner peace, perfect peace, indefinitely and without limitation. I felt perfectly safe, even as red lightning lit up the sky in virulent fire and wind and rain. It brought down an entire mountain on the town where I resided in Japan. We had over 30 landslides and a month's worth of rain dumped straight on us in a few hours. With renewed energy, I reached out with the power of my mind and my heart chakra to cast a clearing with my thoughts and feelings, which resulted in a brilliant halo. The blackness could not breach this barrier for some days. I know also that this psi energy does not have boundaries quite in the same way as the limits placed upon our physical bodies and physical world. For instance, when my dear, dear friend Nicole had died, I did not consciously know of the unfortunate event at the time, but I felt something very disturbing, uh, like a disturbance in the force. And multiple times when I left my door to step outside, Curiously, I would happen upon these little twigs curled into tiny hearts, and at other times a droplet of water had fallen into the shape of an almost perfect heart right outside my doorstep. I later learned of her passing, and I met with her in the dreamland thereafter. Also, equally, equally impressive, upon my dad's passing, I had not known consciously that his death had just happened. But I saw him, an image of him in the kitchen of in my little cottage for a brief moment. And later that evening, I saw his face in my mind's eye while I lay in bed. The next day, I 
checked my emails and found that I'd received a message that my dad had died. Well, my heart knew. My brain simply had to register the event in space-time. I grieved, but I also worried for family, and I worried mostly for my dad, who had passed away, that I had grown close to in ways which are possibly too painful to speak of. But our communion continued for many years after his death. To this day, I still spend time meditating and thanking him for everything. I also grieved that I had not spent more time with him in those past three years in which I had not seen him in all that time. I endured some challenges in that period of time in order to stay focused and try to help help my relatives. I, it was difficult, and the heart, the feelings, cannot be without the mind in this lifetime that we exist in. The two work together. That which has given us what we are here and now has done quite a thorough job at providing us with varying levels of consciousness, both for both for our use and exploration, and ultimately to make the world a better place. And yet, having stated this, it is also clear that there is so much missing from our understanding. There's so much missing from our understanding of who and what we are, where we came from, and what is our purpose? Where are we going? This is, this is perhaps not a mistake, but instead is the ultimate plan of the great architect for humanity to come closer to one another in a quest, perhaps for a reunion with that most elusive and ultimate truth, or maybe it could be the journey which is of the greatest importance to us all. It brings us together like glue, the mysterious, does it not? Whatever your beliefs are, try to remember, keep in mind, those whom else take this journey with you, be he or she of a different faith, lack thereof, or somewhere in between. The point is global humanitarianism. Perhaps off topic a bit, but I often think back to the life of the actor Peter Cushing, whom starred in the Hammer production horror films. And of course, you probably know him best in his role in Star Wars A New Hope as the general. While in film, Cushing played the role of the villain quite effectively. But in reality, this gentleman was rather the opposite of the characters he portrayed. Quite literally, he was known by his close friend, Sir Christopher Lee, the late Sir Sir Christopher Lee, as a gentle soul. I think when I reflect on this, I am reminded of the perfection of the child's mind of wondrousness. This wonder and acceptance of truth, and possibly of the power of imagination, has given me great abilities, and I will share with my students in the Verloc's Annex Club at verloc.club. I know it is crucial to our future to learn psionics, and I can almost guarantee it. The psionics I offer you today is to help you make this journey with us. 
and make your life better as well as those whom you interact with. This concludes tonight's podcast. And it gives us uh, much to think about, about the various energy centers and how our consciousness works overall. But here's a question I'll leave you with. If we're not truly separate, or even identifiable with any one particular chakra or one brain in the body, the uh, solar plexus has as many, if not more, neurons in it as the brain, and the heart uh, has as much electricity as the brain, and we're not identifiably any single one of those, and we're not the total sum of our parts either, then what is to stop us from thinking that by extension, somehow, at some level, we are all interconnected? Stay tuned for some podcasts coming up about the world circuit and the noosphere and global psionics humanity. Thank you for your support of my work and do check out the goodies I have for my spirit brothers and sisters, fellow magicians at verloc.com slash shop. You will get empowered. Again, thank you for joining me tonight on Planet Verloc Psionics Podcast. And until next time, as always, always keep the magic Hi, this is Erdoktor von Vrilok, signing out.